Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. After a brief couple-week break from these, we are now back to your regularly scheduled Where Do We Go From Here conversations about the Calgary Flames. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon, everyone. I'm Peter Klein at home. Logan Gordon in the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. A lot to break down from the Flames' loss last night against the Ottawa Senators. We will do that momentarily. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we will hear from Eric Dehatchuk as the NHL, some crazy how, has reached the halfway point of this weird, weird season of ours. Uh, so we'll get the break down on that and a couple of teams that could be looking to improve as the trade uh, trade deadline approaches. Always want your texts at 960-960, but let's get into it. From last night, the Flames and the Sens. Let's break it down with Peter Labardius. Flames Insider, Peter Labardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. What was the group like in the locker room after the way that that game ended? They're probably tired. Short and to the point from uh, the coach of the Calgary Flames, Daryl Sutter, after a a frustrating loss last night. Uh, Not a loss that I would imagine the Flames bench boss would be uh, thrilled to talk about, Lou. No, not thrilled to talk about. But let's unpack starting with the loss and then the situation. So here's my perspective. First of all, this has been a really emotional season for this hockey team. It's been filled with ups and downs. It's had a coaching change. It's had lots of questions that require answers. I think we could all get to that point. I, in doing the game last night, and needless to say, not unlike the majority of our listeners, not all of our listeners, do you want good results for the Calgary Flames? You do. Would, would you like to see some more progress? Yes, you would. And inevitably, there would be nothing better than if this team finds its way into the Stanley Cup playoffs. So to further flush it out, now that I've had time to remove some disappointment, some of the emotion, let's cut to the chase. Peter, are games against Ottawa not assessed differently than they probably are against the other teams in the division? Yes, I would agree with that. For sure. So now in sports, and this is not an excuse, but I'm going to start here. Last season, the Montreal Canadiens, if you remember, lost four times, I believe, to the Detroit Red Wings. That didn't necessarily add up, did it? That didn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. And there are in every season, and guess what? The Ottawa Senators have wins over the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have wins over the Montreal Canadiens. In fact, didn't Montreal's coaching change come after a couple of game series against the Ottawa Senators? It did. 
So the emotions of the team, the emotions of the players, the emotions of the fan base, when you lose to the Ottawa Senators, gets to a very different place, and it escalates differently because you expect better. And I expect better. And the team expects better, and so do the players. But in many ways, everything I believe in terms of your growth as a person, an individual, a player, a team, relies heavily on your mindset. So, Peter, even though a couple of days ago, like, like I really value your opinion. And so here's a question from me to you as someone who gets to assess on the air, as someone who's close enough, what you and I have to do in this business is kind of break it down every day. So even when I listen, here's an example. So I spent about 40 minutes the other night coming out of a Winnipeg Jets loss, listening to an Instagram live with my good friend, Ken Weeb, who does such a wonderful job covering the Jets and his cohort, Sean Reynolds. And I I lied in bed and I just listened and watched the questions that came in after a Jets loss that they weren't supposed to lose. So whether it's this market, up the highway, I've never seen a season, Peter, where every game seems like it's either going to catapult you to better places or it's the end of the universe. Never seen anything like it. Covered the sport my whole life. Been around sports since I was five years old. In, in different leagues, different levels, different situations. Don't ever remember a season like it. So getting back to last night to cut to the chase, did the Calgary Flames do enough? Have they done enough against the Ottawa Senators? Did we see some patterns that we don't like? We do. Should they be held accountable for not finding a way to win that game? Yes. They most certainly should. And did, did certain aspects, were they different? Well, the certain aspects in some ways that were different is in terms of how you want to play. They had the puck a lot. That's what we wanted for them. We wanted some ozone time. That's what we wanted for them. Um, Did they give up very much to Ottawa? No, they didn't. But then there's the rub. Did they get to the inside very much with all that zone time to create enough high danger chances? I would say no. And... In some key moments when maybe they needed to execute better, you worked the whole game in the mud. You stayed with it. You stayed with it. And with five and a half minutes to go, you tied the game. What happened after you tied the game? The other team anteed up. And you make a couple of critical mistakes on the shift 
that leads to the winning goal. And even though you did a lot of good things in terms of style and shot and shot volume and played a lot in Ottawa's zone, did you generate enough? But even more importantly than that, did you execute to get something out of your effort? You didn't. And, and that's really how I see last night. And the tired comment, the tired comment is not about where this team is physically. It's where this group is mentally. And, Peter, the reaction I guess I'm, I'm curious from you is, did the Flames enter that game against Ottawa knowing how important it was? Did you feel like they embraced that challenge? Or did they go into it looking like, oh my goodness, we can't lose to this team? Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I think that they, the thing that kind of frustrated me is that like you kind of talked about it there, they had the puck a ton and there was a lot of that offensive zone time, but I was starting to get concerned by the end of the game. They were going to drill down to the cement along the boards because that there, everything was to the outside and there just wasn't enough getting to the middle. And, And I think to me that, I don't know if it was so much a, oh my God, we can't lose to this team. They're just, the, the urgency wasn't there for me last night. Um, and, and maybe you saw it differently, but I, I just, I did not see a team last night that really met the moment of this is a game you have to have. I thought it was a team that played well, but not a team that played desperate in what felt like a desperate situation to me. Well, through all the years and all the coaches that I've, been so lucky to spend time around and and learn from and then you know having a lifetime of watching important games and you know games that go well and don't go well and then I, I can apply it to a lot of different places and and that is mindset in many ways I think really really matters and you know when you're feeling it And every night is going to pose a different and unique challenge. Every game is going to impose a different challenge on you. But, But truly, getting to a better place is really about taking incremental steps and, and, and learning who and what you are and then being comfortable in it and thriving in it. That's where this team hasn't been. And they haven't been there, let's be frank, for quite some time. And, and so if you had to point to one person right now in the organization, Peter, who probably is in the best place to assess this team without a lot of the previous ups and downs, the trials and tribulations, isn't it one person? Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah, Daryl. I think it's Daryl, yep. right. You know, because Daryl, in, in many ways, you know, came into it. 
he he has some great ideas. And so as much as we're upset about another loss, a fourth loss to Ottawa, and the fan base is, and they should be, and it's hard, and it's emotional. And at the end of the season, might those games against Ottawa prevent you right now from being in a better place? Yes. And, and did this fan base have higher expectations? Yes. Was there reason to? Yes. But, but in this case, you're at a point where, you know, in our business in a lot of ways, you have to kind of read through the lines. And, if, and, and I thought, I've thought about it for the last number of hours from a lot of different places. So if I'm Daryl Sutter, I'm seven games in. I can't, I can't lose my group right now. I'm in a race. And really, Peter, as hard as yesterday was, you have nine games left with the Vancouver Canucks and the Montreal Canadiens. As crappy as last night was to watch, go through, assess, be emotionally torn up about which of you care about this team yeah it didn't sit well you didn't like it you immediately defer to other places but if I'm Daryl Sutter and I'm seven games in with a team that is probably fatigued and didn't even say it yesterday in his availability he did about not necessarily about this team being ready physically but where are you to handle the situation mentally? So his job is, I got to stay in this race. As a team, we have to bond together and stay in the race. And where they still have a chance to win the race, even though it's hard to swallow, everybody had a hard time swallowing that one, including me. But if you can remove the emotion, think about it from a team perspective, a Daryl perspective, the season is not over. They have got to stay in this race so that those nine games and maybe even those five games, so you have to do enough good work in the rest of the games and then you have to make hay against those two teams and maybe even the one team in particular. So, you know, this is not a time, really, as much as everybody wants to have it, this is not the time for the autopsy. You're not there yet. you got lots of runway left. Now, is it shortening? Yes. But if you're, if you're this team, you're trying to get a lot of answers to a lot of different things. And it goes way deeper than just game by game by game. And we assess and we have to assess game by game. But the moral of the story for me is, did that suck? Yes. Did you need better? Yes. Did you generate enough high-quality chances? No. So to the second part, did you need better? Yes. 
High quality chances. Did you have enough? No. Did you get a result? In the playoff race, you need results. No. Did you play the game in a lot of ways the way you wanted to? Yes. Did you execute when you really had to? No. Are you still in the race? Yes. Chatting with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius, here on Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I'm Peter Klein. In our iconic studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls, sits Logan Gordon. Lou, I, I just wanted to, to talk to you about this. and You, you say it's not, it's not time for the autopsy yet, and I, I, I understand that point. And I, I guess I would ask you, when is that time? When, when does the runway run out for you? Because I, 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 I understand and I, I fully get your point of that, you know, I feel like you're right. There, there's definitely a ramped up emotion because it's Ottawa and where it is. But I think at the same time, we see other teams like the Edmontons and the Vancouver's making hay against this team, and the Flames just seem to to muddle around. When when does that runway run out for this team? Is it tomorrow? Is it is it next week? Because as we've talked about, and I think Will's been the the best voice to this, the math already is is very difficult, and I know the locker room can't can't ever admit that or Daryl can't come to that point, but when do we on the outside start looking at it as uh, a lost cause? Aren't we looking every day? Aren't we assessing certain individuals? Haven't we been assessing certain individuals when it's hard for a long time? That process doesn't go away. In fact, I think that process with the team has never been more focused. Never. But nothing for me in sports becomes a lost cause and require a true autopsy until you're out. You still have hope until you are out. It is your job to stay in the race and win the race. So... Listen, Logan, I, I get where you're coming from. Trust me. Trust me. We, we, can, we can break it down. We can lay blame. And, hey, I have no trouble. I've been saying for a long time that where I measure is how things get off the rails and when it's really, really hard, who can execute and who can't. That's my overriding statement. That's how I look at everything. I don't, I don't evaluate when it's easy. I evaluate when it's hard. And there's lots of different hard. But let's, let's go on your topic to a different place. Let's use the Edmonton Oilers, okay? So the, let's use the Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So let's start with Edmonton. They are a perfect 7-0 and against Ottawa. They are 14-13, and I believe, against everybody else. Which, which side of the Oilers are you judging? Well, I, I, I think that the, the bigger sample size against the, 
the tougher opinion is probably the one that you, you look at. But on the other side of the equation, if we start and end the story with how you've done against Ottawa, isn't that why we're having this conversation today? Is it about the whole body of work for whether it's Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, who I believe has also lost three times to Ottawa? Or is it just about Ottawa? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know because the the whole body of work hasn't been much different than than last night's results for this team. It, it, at least for me, and I don't, Klein. I don't know if you feel any different than that. I don't know that. I I don't know how much of this conversation for me, gentlemen, at least is is Ottawa anymore. This is just seems to be the 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 whole of the group to me. Yeah, the, this Ottawa game. Yeah, this Ottawa game is kind of the, the catalyst for this discussion. But I, um, uh, to to agree with Logan's point, I, I think that it, if you have been able to do more against some of the other teams, these Ottawa games don't matter as much either. You know, so I I think that the issue is the the issues you see against the other teams are also showing up against the Senators. So when I assess, yes, does it matter? that you've given up too many points to Ottawa? Yeah, it does matter. But but the whole body of the work and the overriding questions that still require answers, isn't that really where we continue to be? Mm -hmm. So, So when I assess, you know, the marriage becomes you have to assess day to day. That's what sports is. But you can't lose sight of the body of work. And really, when things don't work out at the most key times, is what are the constants? And and the one thing I've never stopped believing in this season is with this general manager, now this head coach, has been about the process of two things we still want to stay in a race we still want to make the playoffs that's part one but part two is also finding out through a very difficult covid all in every game feels like it's great when you win and the worst thing in the world when you lose still assessing to potentially get to a better place by who fits, who doesn't fit, and then go from there. Like, at the end of the day, guys, I'll I'll use a baseball analogy, and the baseball analogy is this. For all of us, when things aren't going great, we all want to fix it with a grand slam. Sometimes you got to lay down a few bunts and hit a few opposite field singles. And even going back to last night's game against Ottawa, I think the Ottawa Senators deserve a ton of credit for playing a great road game at home. They bent. They didn't have the puck a lot. They understood that they had a brand-new rookie goalie making his first start. 
And for DJ Smith and his group, they really never got out of their comfort zone, even though they didn't have the puck very much. Kept the flames to the outside, didn't give up a lot of high-quality chances. The same way I would be prone to assess the Flames' previous game against the Toronto Maple Leafs when they have the puck and they're probably going to have the puck and how the Flames dug in to give themselves the best chance to win a game. Yeah, it's uh, again. I, I do not. I, I don't want to take anything away from Ottawa and, and the win. And also, um, congratulations to Philip Gustafson for uh, the, the first career victory in that one. Uh, Lou, thank you for this. We will chat tomorrow on what right now is sitting as an early Flames game day. We'll see if schedule changes uh, alter that. But as of right now, yeah. a very early Flames game day tomorrow. Yes, very early, and uh, I'm sure with Mister Dahachek, you're going to get into the Flames and the Montreal-Edmonton COVID situation, which I'm guessing in a few hours, uh, we might have a better feel for that too. Thanks, yes. guys. Yeah. All right, thank you. Have a good one. You too. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. As mentioned before, Logan is currently residing in the Iconic studio powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. Iconic proudly owned and operated from Western Canada since 2008. They take great pride in giving back to the communities that we all work and live in. Diversity, it's Iconic. Contact them today at IconicEC.ca. Yes, it's uh, a different time north of the border as we are dealing with our first COVID postponements. We will chat with Eric DeHatchik about that as well as some mid-season reporting as, yes, we've somehow reached the mid-season point on this wild NHL year. That with Eric DeHatchik coming up next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Well, somehow, someway, the NHL has reached the halfway point of the season. Welcome back to Hockey Central at Noon, everyone. I'm Peter Klein. Very pleased to be joined by our NHL insider, Eric Tahachuk. Eric, how are you today, sir? Very good. Very good. I love the fact that good. the sun is out after yesterday. That was too much like winter, for even for 24 hours. <laughs> Yeah, I went for a walk yesterday and got home and was snowed on. I, I had no appreciation for that whatsoever. So, yes, happy the, the sun is shining and melting some of that hell away from us. Um, I, I want to get into the, the notebook that you had this week about midseason reports and things of that nature. But uh, I do want to, to kind of touch on a, a couple of the, the topics of the day. The, the first one being out here. Uh, uh, once again, very frustrated fan base at once again, the Calgary Flames with a, a frustrating loss to the Ottawa Senators. Where do you assess the Flames in this North Division right now? There is a lot of sky falling in this city. Do, do you still view this as a Flames team that can make a, a run for a playoff spot? 
Well, I, I think it's a long shot now, to, to be honest with you. And again, my answer is always going to be the same. At a certain point, it becomes less about the team and, and the hockey and more about the arithmetic. And so if, if, you, if you take a, a cold, hard, unvarnished look at the standings today and look at the Flames winning percentage, which is you know a flat, dead, even 500, and then you look at the team that they might be in a position to overhaul, which is Montreal, they're at 597, almost so, I mean, that, that's a lot of ground to make up in a very short period of time. I mean, I always go back to, you know, when Daryl took over the Kings in, uh, you know, the, the year that, uh, that they went to the Stanley Cup final. He had, he had a really decent runway there to work with the team and, and to get his message across. Because, you know, whenever you make a coaching change, you know, the, 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 there's always like a short-term burst of enthusiasm. If you watch the Flames play in that, um, that kind of 3-0 and run, I mean, they, they were finishing checks. They were in hard on the forecheck. They were doing a lot of things that we didn't see from them before. And then, you know, gradually, you know, that's a hard – taxing style to play and 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 so they haven't been as good in in the in this last stretch so you know if, if you look at where they are in the standings if you look at where everyone else is in in the standings you need to go on a run and and really you need to go on a run and then what you have to hope happens is what's happened in the division where where, where chicago has has stalled so you know columbus has has caught the blackhawks Dallas is in the mix there because they've got so many games in hand. But, but we wouldn't be talking about those two teams as, as possible playoff contenders if the Blackhawks hadn't lost a bunch of games in a row. And if, it, it just sort of feels like, like if, if, if Chicago is kind of the, the Cinderella story of, of, of the first half of the season, you know, it got to be 11.59 pretty quickly and the clock is about to strike midnight. So, you know, but, but Chicago was always a team that, you know, that it was kind of a mirage, right? I mean, they were doing it with a goaltender that no one ever heard of. You know, Patrick Kane was unbelievable. Debrinkat was really good. And then a whole bunch of, of kids were, were playing over their heads. So it feels to me as if Chicago is kind of finding its, its natural position. I look at the teams ahead of Calgary in the standings. You tell me, you know, which is the team that they can reel in? And is, is one of those four teams capable of, of, a, of a swoon that the Flames will need in order to, to catch them? I don't think so. I, I think all of those teams are good enough that if they lose a couple in a row, they'll, they'll get a win here, they'll get a win there. So it, it, it's, as I say, it's about the arithmetic as much as anything else right now and the fact that there is still going to be a learning curve under Daryl Sutter until the players can get really used to playing this style so it doesn't feel like a foreign style to them. And that's what it looks like to me right now. Like, I think they kind of got it in the, in the beginning, but, but he wants a relentlessness from that group every night. And, and, and so far, anyway, they haven't been able to do it every night. And to your point, looking at a, at a team that could fall off, um, the, the Montreal Canadiens have kind of already done that, right? Like mm. they, they have they have gone through their their trials and tribulations, and I don't want to say they've come out the other end stronger, better people, but they they have had this fall off, and the Flames are still four points back, and Montreal still has two points in hand. Like I don't know how much more off you wanted Montreal to fall, so that that is absolutely part of the concern for sure. They, they have to have a and, and same with Toronto. So Toronto got this great cushion uh, because they you know they played so well off the start and they hit a flat spot because most teams do hit a flat spot at, at some point in the season whether it's a, a covid shortened season like this one or a regular 82 game season and then sometimes over an 82 game season you can hit a couple of flat spots but you eventually find your your way out of uh, out of that and 
You're right. Montreal's had theirs. Uh, I mean, Edmonton was not very good early on. They're not very good early on, but they seem to have, you know, gotten incrementally better as uh, as the season has progressed. And I really do think that one of the the big things there was just, you know, Mike Smith not being available early and then being available and then coming in and playing at the level that that he's playing at. I mean, uh, it's such an odd season in terms of of where the goaltending heroes are or the the goaltending victories are because on the one end you've got you know Smith at 39 Mark Andre Fleury back from the dead you know you have some of these veteran goaltenders that a lot of people were willing to write off and then on the other hand you have all of these young goaltenders that that have come in including you know the young man that won his first game for Ottawa the other day Philip Philip Gustafson who've come in and and really done the job and so uh, it's it's curious to see you know how weird and how important goaltending solutions have been for for the teams that, that that have it going so yeah, I just, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, they could go 16, six and one, or you know, or, or some version of that. Anything is possible, but 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 it, it is a long shot, and um, and I don't know how you, you know, like if you're a fan, by all means keep the faith, uh, but but you know, like we have to sort of to sort of take a a look back and, and just evaluate it, uh, you know, more forensically, I guess. And, uh, and it just, it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. And at a certain point between now and the April 12th trade deadline, the picture will be in much clearer focus. And then you have to be in a position to, to pivot because, because at this stage of the game, you know, are you a seller? Are you a buyer? Do you stand pat? You might have to stand pat just because, you know, I'm not sure that this is going to be an impactful trade deadline, but, but if you've fallen far enough off the pace, it is going to be something that they have to consider internally, that if you can get value for some of your spare pieces or pieces that you don't see are going to be a part of the Daryl Sutter future, you know, sometimes the trade deadline is, is an opportunity to, to get top value for those, uh, for those types of assets. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how 31 NHL teams approach this because I, I think that, you know, hopefully everyone's concocting a game plan right now. And, uh, you know, will we see significant moves or, or just the kind of, you know, like roster tweaks that we've seen so far this season? It's going to be interesting. Well, and, and another wrinkle we have not yet had to deal with up north pops up last night as uh, Edmonton against Montreal gets call, called off because of positive COVID tests. That this is it, it has been smooth sailing, relatively speaking, in the North Division, and now one game is gone. I would not be surprised if uh, tomorrow's game gets altered in some way. Also, I guess your reaction to the the North Division now having to deal with the problems everyone else has had. Well, you know, and the thing is, trying to make a prediction about COVID at any time is is so difficult. I, I mean, I, I saw, you know, that uh, that that Edmonton Montreal game. It was on. It was on. It was on. And then it was off. And so I, I think that that every decision as it relates to COVID is going to be, you know, hour by hour and and day by day. Um, my analysis of what's happened so far is that. The teams have reacted, you know, quite differently to, to the breaks, and it depends sometimes on how long those those breaks have been. So, you know, if you think about early on in the season, both you know Buffalo and New Jersey had their, you know, fairly promising starts grind to a halt because because both of them, you know, had to take you know close to two weeks off, and and neither of them came back from from the break at all any good. And so sometimes it, 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 this year anyway, it's had an undermining effect. However, the other team that was in that long break um, was Minnesota. 
and Minnesota had some injuries, and, they, and Zuccarello hadn't played yet, and they used it as, as a chance to, to get rested and, and, and get focused, and, and, and they, they were a lot better coming out of that break and really had the kind of surge that got them into a playoff picture. They've you know, hit the, the skids a little bit this, this past week. But, but, every, but you know, So there's three teams, you know, two reacted one way negatively and one reacted positively. And so I'm going to guess that, if, especially if you're Edmonton, you know, you're looking at this as an opportunity to, to catch your breath. I mean, it's a, it's a long, hard, difficult season. And so you, know, you can look at it and, 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 and get over-anxious and, and fret about it, or you can say, okay, if we're not playing, you know, this is a chance to recharge the batteries and, and, and get everybody sharp and, and then see where we're going. I, you know, I mean, I saw Montreal had their practice canceled, so it might have a, more of a negative effect on them. And then, of course, you can never predict you know, if, if these players are in the protocol or if they actually have COVID, because that will determine on the, their length of their absence. And, you know, like, I, I mean, potentially it, 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 could, it could disrupt um, one or both of those teams, probably more Montreal than Edmonton right now. Um, but if I'm running uh, those teams and, and, and I have, uh, you know, mostly healthy players, I'm telling them all the same thing. You know, use this as an opportunity to get healthy, to get rested, uh, because you know we're we're gearing up for the for the home stretch and and it's going to be a challenge. Chatting with our NHL insider Eric Dahachuk here on Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Want to go to your your midseason notebook? Um, a lot to to digest from this. And don't again, I don't want to give too much of this away because it's absolutely worth the read every week. But there are a couple of things uh, I want to chat with you about. The, the first one, your list of the the most surprising teams. Again, we don't necessarily have to give them all away, but of the teams that have positively surprised you so far, which one do you think can sustain this the most? And to your point, um, which ones are kind of the the Cinderella? With the, the clock approaching midnight. Yeah. Well, so I probably don't have to talk about any more about Chicago because obviously that right. that is a team that did surprise in the first half, but just in the last uh, couple of weeks has has kind of drifted back to the, you know the, the the middle. I mean, I, I mean, I, I go back to Florida. I looked at Florida. And, and, and I saw two scenarios. So I, I, I say this to you every year. When, when, we, when you go into the season, you take 31 NHL teams and you can build a case for and you can build a case against that team, you know, having the kind of turnaround that everybody, every manager dreams of. So on the plus side, I like their coach. So you've got Joel Quenville there behind the bench, extremely experienced coach, oversaw the Chicago Blackhawks, that the last time the NHL played a 48-game season, coming out of the lockout, they went 21-0-3, and, and they were fantastic. They, they hit the ground running, and they, they, they never missed a beat. You know, they, they went half a season without losing a game in regulation, you know, ran away with the, the, the league, and won, won the Stanley Cup. So from start to finish, they were the best team in the league. So something about Joel Quenville's message resonated with that team, and there was a part of me that thought, you know, he has the experience of bringing together a team team quickly under adverse circumstances can you do it again with uh, with Florida but the, the on the negative side I, I saw a lot of turnover there and so you know Bill Zito came in as, as, as the general manager and and he let Dadnoff leave as a free agent he let Hoffman leave as a free agent and some of the, the replacements are not exactly players that you would say okay these guys are going to come in and make make a difference but Duclair and Verhage signed for very 
good inexpensive contracts that's two-thirds of the first line and you know and and then they've uh, you know been able to you know find a, you know the, the old Alex Wenberg you know so he's their number two center and and he's been pretty good too so so sometimes you know you make these sort of bargain basement buys and uh, and and they turn out to be gold and and sometimes you know like if you're shopping the clearance rack uh, you end up with something that's you know at the back of the closet and you know and then <laughs> it just lingers there for six months and then then it disappears from your wardrobe so they they have managed to hit all of the right notes and you know things like you know Aaron Eckblad scoring all of those goals and and the fact that you can split up Barkoff and Huberdo and both of them are driving those lines five on five power play has been excellent uh, you know it, it, it to me it, it's just a it, it's a remarkable story and and they did all that with you know Sergei Bobrovsky having a really really poor start he was not good and so Chris Drieger came in and, and was 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 basically the de facto number one, I think, for the first month of the season. But gradually, Bobrovsky got his game back, and uh, he looks more like the goalie that won two Vezina trophies and signed for $10 million or whatever it was that they gave him a couple of years ago than, than a guy who, who hardly could stop the puck in the first month. So I, I think they can sustain it. I think they can sustain it. They're a playoff team already, as far as I'm concerned, because of the points that they put in the bank tough division you know they'll probably get Carolina in the first round and they're also uh, you know the team that's playing around 700 hockey right now but uh, but I'm very impressed with how, how well Florida has played on the flip side as far as negative surprises are concerned uh, I'm with you on Philadelphia they were a team that I I had going to the Stanley Cup final I picked a bunch of their guys for awards and yeah. if that happens they are in for one heck of a second half of the season because it has not been working for Philadelphia so far. How concerned are you long-term about where the Flyers are at? Well, they're, they're kind of at an interesting crossroads because, you know, for, well, for one thing, you know, the goaltending hasn't been as good as they thought. So, you know, Carter Hart, like a lot of young goaltenders, you know, has some really good moments and, and, and has had some, some struggles. Uh, but this year, for sure, he's had way more struggles than I think that they could have possibly imagined. I really think that they ideally hoped that, that you know, consistency is what coaches want from, from a starting goalie to someone that's going to play, you know, two-thirds to three-quarters of your game. And he has not been consistent. And there were times early in the season when Brian Elliott outplayed him, but he's also had a, a few issues. So I think that, you know, when people always talk about Philadelphia and how they can never sort out their goaltending, I think they believe that they had sorted it out. And this year... Goaltending has been has been an issue again. Um, defensively, they are they're not all that sound. You know, people are talking about Matt Niskanen surprisingly retiring and leaving a gap there. I, I think there's some some merit to that. You know, those those Chris Tanev types that every team has. You know, you 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 kind of underappreciate them uh, when they're there, and then they disappear. And it's like, hey, what happened there? So I, I do think that. You know, that's a team that should have been more aggressive in terms of, of getting, uh, you know, a solid defensive replacement when it became clear that they couldn't get Niskanen. Of course, you know, every team has salary cap issues, and, and you know, me saying it is not the same as a manager waving the magic wand and, oh, here's Matthias Ekholm, we've got him now. Um, but I, I also think that, um, you know, they, they do have a nice nucleus of young forwards, um, some of whom have struggled a little bit, like Nolan Patrick had a good start, but he kind of tailed off. Morgan Frost hasn't established himself as, a, as an NHL regular yet. Joel Farabee, though, has been, has been pretty good. So they've got nice pieces in, in, in place. So I'm not too worried about them long term. But in a division where there's really five good teams, one good team was always going to miss the playoffs. 
you know, I think probably some people thought it might be Pittsburgh, some thought it might be Washington, some thought it might be Islanders. But those teams look as if they're going to make it. So, you know, can Boston miss? I don't think so. You know, they're not the same team that they have been. So, so if if those four make it, that means Philly misses. And uh, and to your point about most disappointing, I mean, I had Buffalo on the list, but you know, like Buffalo has been disappointing for so long that to call them most disappointing, I think, is an overstatement. I mean, they have been disappointing. Fourteen losses in a row. My goodness. Must be a terrible place to to work right now, but uh, but but to me, I would put Philly in that uh, category because, like you, I I think that I thought that they they were a dark horse candidate to win a championship, and now they may not even make the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's crazy the the fall off that that has happened there. But to your point, that division is just unreal tough. Um, the last one for you on this the the MVP conversation. Uh, judging from the text line and social media, uh, anytime you have this MVP discussion, very rarely is the response, "Huh." Well, I respectfully disagree, but I believe in his <laughs> right to voice that opinion. Um, how how, uh, how did you come to to your selection of, of first half MVP? Because there's really not a lot separating the candidates. Yeah. Well, so my, my point is that if the Blackhawks were to st- were to actually make the playoffs, if they were to actually make the playoffs, then I think Patrick Kane has to be at least in your in your top three, and and you know probably the uh, you know uh, in your top two, um, because I, I think that he he meant so much to the Chicago success over the first you know forty percent of the of the season. He was just fantastic. You know, at his age, uh, without. You know, Doc there without Taves there. You know, he he just helped a whole bunch of of you know Kurdishevs and Pius Suters uh, be, look like NHL players because he's he's such a crafty player and he finds those seams and you know all the things that I think the Flames hoped that Johnny Gaudreau would come and would become and, and and sometimes you see that from Gaudreau. But Kane is that guy every single day. Like consistency is just amazing how how good he's been. So for sure, you know, I had him too on my ballot. But but I'll be honest with you, if Connor McDavid stays healthy, I don't. I I mean, to me that. The, there shouldn't really be a choice. It should be a close to a unanimous vote. Um, I've been predicting for years, incorrectly, that Connor McDavid was about to run away with the NHL scoring title in the same way that Wayne Gretzky did when I first started covering hockey in the 80s. And I will tell you, in those days, you know, voting for the Hart Trophy, there really wasn't a whole lot to, to think about. I mean, you'd enter Wayne Gretzky's name in the top line, and then you'd think about two and three. And so I thought that that was the arc that McDavid was on. Uh, some of it has been injuries that have have limited him. Um, some some of it has simply been the fact that uh, you know that Drysaitel uh, has has been so good, and because they play together so much, that they kind of hang with each other as one and one A in, in, in the scoring race. Um, but I'll, I'll be honest with you: if I was filling out my ballot today, I would have no no compunction at all with filling in Connor McDavid on the top line, and then. Again, to me, Kane, a lot of that is dependent on, on how Chicago plays in this final stretch. I think Austin Matthews is a candidate. I think Victor Hedman in, in Tampa is a candidate. You know, when you think about Tampa, you know, playing as well as they have without uh, uh, Kucherov this this season, you know, Vasilevsky's been tremendous in goal, but boy, Hedman is that glue guy. He is he is such a critical piece of, of what they are doing right there in terms of, of the system that they play and in, in terms of the you know, I mean, he, 
I saw a play the other day where they, you know, they've won like nine games in a row. Um, they were down a goal. They were trying to score with the, with the goalie on the bench. He's diving in front of a shot to block an empty net attempt, so they get a, a play at the other end. I mean, he is all in. Uh, he's, he's, he's had a, a remarkable season, and, and a lot of times voters tend to ignore defensemen, um, you know, simply because they have their own trophy. But but you have to look hard at Victor Hedman this year, I think, if Tampa can sustain the, the level of play that they're at right now because they're the best team in the East for sure. Yeah, um, I, it's crazy because it feels like everyone agrees he is the best defenseman in the league, and he's also underrated at the same time. Like it, I, I feel like we understand he is very good, but we almost don't understand how very good that guy really is because of all the stars they have out there. Yeah, and that's but you know you make a really good point. Okay, you say all the stars they have out there. So I, I would say Vasilev, in Vasilevsky they have a star in goal. I would say. In Braden Point, they have, you know, have, have, you know is, he, is he at the McDavid level? Is he at the McKinnon level? At the Matthews level? Probably not, but, like, you know, a great player. Um, Steven Stamkos, you know, he's had a, a, a good year, a good year. And, you know, Palat has stepped into that uh, spot that Kucherov normally plays, and, and he's been effective, too. But that's the top line. And then after that, you know, you're down to, you know, Anthony Sorelli's been good. Yanni Gourde's been really good lately. You know, if you look at their one to twelve forwards, one to six defensemen, you know, very average backup goaltender. You know, I mean, that 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 is a team that that I think is overachieving because they have like about three or four elite players and then a lot of very good, well coached players that that have bought into a system because you know they're they're like you know Colorado is right now. You watch Colorado play right now; they have the puck all the time. You know, I think I predicted to you at the start of the season. I thought Colorado was going to go 56 and 0, and uh, and of course, you know, they didn't. They weren't even that good in the first couple or three weeks. But now they're hitting it on all cylinders, and they're getting their people back. And they might, you know, win 20 in a row. They they look so good right now. So what Colorado is doing in the West right now, I see Tampa doing that in the East. The difference is that Tampa is doing it with with um you know with, with personnel that if you break it down individually it, it's maybe not as good as you think it is they're they're they're, they're 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 a team as good as they are they're greater than the sum of their individual parts and that that to me is a function of of coaching and 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 chemistry or culture or whatever term Lubo likes to use you know, they have a they have that right now and and they've managed to sustain it uh, even without their best player and to me the the, the contrast is where is the team that they played in the Stanley Cup final last year? So they, you know, Dallas also loses the key guy in Sagan, loses the key guy in Bishop. They're nowhere. They are nowhere. And yet Tampa is still really good. So something is going right in that organization that has created, uh, um, you know, this winning mentality. And uh, even with uh, injuries that they've had and, and the issues that they've had, they just they're just steaming along. Very admirable, I think. Excellent as always, Eric. Thank you very much for this. We'll chat next week. Okay, thank you. Thank you. There is Eric DeHatchuk, our NHL insider, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza past the steaks and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. That is going to do it for Hockey Central at noon. If you missed any of it, it'll be up on sportsnet.ca slash 960 
uh, a little bit later on today. I believe Lubos Hit is actually up there right now. If you want to be a part of Lubos Hit, you can ask him a question and lose mailbag. Send the questions to sportsnet.ca slash 960. If we ask your question, you will get a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris. Lose mailbag brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Relax and enjoy while Ruth's Chris makes the experience safe and comfortable for everyone. Book your table today. Go flames go a lot of frustration once again about what was quite frankly another frustrating loss for the calgary flames we analyze it from all different angles coming up to start the big show we got Corey sarich and we got ryan pike we are breaking this thing down fully as we start the big show coming up next